Birds, Patient and Public Engagement podcasts. Hello and welcome to this episode in our series about information to support you when you're living with a rheumatic condition. My name is Mel Brooke. I am the Patient and Public Engagement Director for BIRD. In this episode, I'm talking to Rachel Dawson, who is a social prescribing link worker from the Minerva Group Primary Care Network. We talk about how social prescribing works, what it can offer people and how it can help you to evaluate lifestyle changes and other subtle support strategies that we hope will help you to help support yourself. Hello, Rachel. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi. Hello there. I'm really curious about social prescribing as a well-being tool, and I've invited you along really to just sort of find out a little bit more about it so we can share that with our patient network, and hopefully it will be something that's really useful to them. Mm, Yeah. So are you able to give me any kind of like background on social prescribing, what it is? It's an NHS driven initiative, isn't it? It is currently. There's a big lot of funding going in from NHS who are recognising that there's so many ways to improve our health and well-being, <laughs> And social prescribing is very much evolving from from its start and you know i know that our service for example has been going since 2015 so quite a Um, while so quite a while yes and there will have been social prescribing networks and groups and services uh much longer than that there's uh there's some sort of really well-known ones that sort of pioneered social prescribing and it's now gaining momentum Mm. and there's starting to be a lot more in terms of uh, accredited training and and looking at qualifications um so it's definitely sort of evolving evolving Mm. but there's still just so much breadth at the moment that is offered in in different parts of the country uh, that represent the same thing the same ideal which says let's look at non-medical ways of helping people to Mm. increase their well-being Mm. um so that's sort of where it's going yeah yeah. and i think um anything that people can do for themselves to self-manage outside of a clinical environment is a really good thing so i think this is why it would be really good to just share a little bit of information about what it is Um, yeah yeah absolutely i think that's that's exactly what it does is it helps um people to to think about ways to to Mm. manage well to improve things to sort of achieve their goals alongside you know or as well as or for some um perhaps as an alternative to, to clinical methods yeah. absolutely absolutely and I know you know in the field of rheumatology generally I know that a lot of the experts who work in that field are very pro enabling people to take that extra step themselves and to look after their well-being their mental health as well as just all the physical and symptomatic parts of having a rheumatic condition I think it's a really useful thing for people to know about so my understanding is that link workers like yourself so you're a social prescribing link worker yeah that's are kind of linked to certain gp surgeries is that how it works yeah so um a pot of money in 2019 i think it was um was opened up 
to groups of surgeries, primary care networks. So when surgeries pulled together and accessed that pot of funding, they had some choices about how to enlist some extra workers into that environment. And social prescribing is one that was on offer to them. So not every surgery has to have a social prescriber, but there are now a lot of um, practices that have bought into that who thought, yeah, this is something mm. uh, that's going to benefit our patients. So are you linked to just one primary care network in a certain area or are you linked to multiple places? Yeah, so the way it works for us here is that our sort of contract operates, uh, there's a kind of connection between the groups of practices, the primary care networks, uh, the voluntary sector organisation I work for, Developing Health and Independence, and our local social care provider, Virgin Care. So here, we've got this sort of model, which is team approach, and yet I am still one social prescribing link worker mm. that works only in my one primary care network, um, Minerva. And, and so, yes, there is that opportunity to build relationship, to have really good working relationships with other staff within that primary care network, but obviously um, the best connection and important one is with the patients. Mm. So, so the idea is that, you know, per group of surgeries, you've got this one social prescribing link worker who can start to make that link between the patient and what's there in the community, as well as more widely nationally available resources, online sort resources, and yeah, just all, all the different ways that people can then sort of take charge of their well-being. That link worker is there to sort of be that connection, connection. people. Mm. And that looks different in different parts of the country. Some surgeries in their group of surgeries will have employed an individual. And those social prescribers right. would be encouraged to sort of link with others to gain that collaboration that I have kind of built into the to the contract. Um, and there's different yeah, there's different ways that people have kind of expressed this. But uh, here we're we're a team of social prescribers, each with one primary care network, and yet we share so much because we're all working in our county. That's really interesting. So it can look different depending on where you are in the country and depending on that actual area or that primary care network. So that's an yeah. interesting thing. So no, so yeah. it's important for people not to expect everything to be the same every time. That's right. There's different provision and there'll be different, you know, the service might look differently, different. just even, you know, across borders, you'll yeah. have yeah, practice is offering, uh, you know, really short uh, intervention and, and mm -hmm. amount of time with the social prescriber and others that will, will offer longer. They've chosen what, I guess, works and what they've decided to, to offer mm -hmm. um, that people can access where they are. And it's a really good time to for people to be aware of this kind of service as well. I mean, we're coming out of this horrible situation with the pandemic and the lockdowns and that for some people is going to be really, really difficult. So I think yeah. perhaps, you know, social prescribing is going to have an even bigger role than it did previously, potentially. Yeah, it's kind of not surprising to me that mm. um, I'm fully booked and uh, yeah. um, because I think at the start of the lockdowns last year, there was 
a little bit of noise about people thinking that social prescribing might have a lot of challenge in that we're known often primarily for linking people with activity groups, with, with well-being activity groups. And that is one part of what we do. Mm. And obviously, the availability of face-to-face well-being activities has been limited. But, you know, it's not surprising that people have sought to look for ways to manage their well-being given the big challenge that we have all faced absolutely alongside perhaps uh, some challenging health concerns that also might have been affected going through this last year mm. so it is partly about just being there for people providing a space to be heard about you know perhaps some of those challenges about appointments not being available in the same ways that they were mm. um you know, and, and finding ways to feel better about life as much as possible to maximise well-being and just to help themselves that. a little bit, isn't it? It's finding ways of helping yourself. And yeah. so, to just to kind of like rewind a little bit, how does the process usually start then? So you're linked to a network of GP surgeries. Mm. Do people get referred to you? Or do people self-refer to you or a bit of both? How does that start, that whole process of, of interacting with you as a link worker? Okay, so without going into too much detail um, locally, because there are some differences within our county, that the main method for most of the um, groups of practices is for people to be referred by, you know, a doctor or nurse, whoever they're seeing, or a receptionist, but anyone at the surgery can book them in. So there's that opening for self-referral by just phoning the surgery. So it's a little bit like now uh, booking an appointment with a doctor or a nurse. You book mm. the appointment with a social prescriber. So it's self-referral in that sense um, that people can just ring their surgery. In most cases, one of our areas, it's a little bit different. We've got an email address that people refer into. So do you have like posters advertising? We haven't actually at the moment. I think because <clears throat> this current service that's NHS funded started in April 2020 mm. here in, in Bain. So um, as you can imagine, paper True. Yeah. Touch, yes. um, have not been the go-to, um, but I'm sure we will look to that. Mm. So the simple method is just phone your surgery. Right. And so for you personally, I understand that this is different for people across across the country, so other link workers. What's what's a typical kind of day look like for you? So each day I've got the opportunity to have two new people come to me booked into my telephone triage. And that's where we have a short appointment to just find out a little bit about what they might either be challenged by or what they might have been referred for if it was a clinician that referred them or what they want, you know, what, what I can mm. help them with. So we start there and, and from there can book longer appointments up to three longer appointments. So that first one's sort of 20 minutes and then the next one's 45, 50. Um, and in that time, then we can offer a fuller, a fuller time to kind of assess their well-being talk about we talk about eight different areas of life which we we count as as really key um, mm. in well-being and so those follow-up appointments I've got the scope sort of four to six but the ideal is to have just three 
or for a longer appointment so that I've got time to do some research for some mm. of my patients between appointments. So I'm in surgeries, uh, have been since July last year, and my time is spent between researching, uh, sharing information with colleagues about what's going on, what's the latest on a particular activity, resource, organization, service. Yeah, so sharing information is really important between us so that we're up to date, mm. you know, and, and also sharing what are people wanting, you know, mm. what's some of the key concerns. So at the moment, there's obviously a lot of people struggling with anxiety for going out again. Mm. So my day is... Yeah, lots of appointments, but also lots of time to spend some time researching for those patient situations That's from what they've said mm. they want, you know, what do they mm. want to change? What do they want to do? So, yeah. So it's a real introductory window into all of their needs and then trying to match them up with things that you know are available in, in the area. How do you how do you know what's available in the area? Do you have people come to you and tell you they've got services or how is that? Yeah. So that is a, a collaboration, a teamwork and a community sort of um, opportunity for good communication. So, yes, we have signed up to all the possible kind of email updates we can get from organisations as to what's going on with them. We try to keep good communication. When we do our research for a particular patient, we'll want to be as much as possible checking how up-to-date it is. And that mm. includes a phone call or an email or just finding out what's happening about going back to face-to-face -to -face or referral criteria, all sorts of questions. And then we store that so that it's shared between our team and we've got that information to hand bravely. So yes. Kind of a pool go-to yeah. resources that you can pick and choose from depending on what you think the person needs. Yeah, that's right. And where we're, we're in a team, there's six social prescribers and we've got a manager and she also takes quite a lot of responsibility for communication with organisations that are kind of wanting to make sure we're up to date. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we, we find we're focusing on our patient work and looking forward we hope we'll be able to increase capacity to be able to mm. get out to some of the groups, organisations and make even better and stronger links. Yeah. Um, right now it feels like, you know, we, we're very much focusing on our patient work, but that's definitely the scope for so much growth in terms of how we link and how we keep up to date and how we communicate with our incredible sort of community yeah, yeah, it's good news. It's good to think that there's more scope for this as well. So hopefully with the right backing and the, the sharing of resources, this, this is something that will grow and be real benefit to people. Yeah. Does it cost people? Is there any costs associated is, with being yeah. able to participate in any of the things you prescribe? Okay, so yeah, this comes up for us um, a fair bit because it's good to be able to give information about things that are free. That is really good to be able mm. to do. And there's a huge amount that is available um, to people. You know, we've got a well-being college, we've got activities, we've got courses. There's so much that is available mm. for free. Um, but we are led by the individual. 
the patient if they want to know about something, if they want to find a cleaner. We can help as long as we are impartial. So we would tend to do something very simple, like point them in the direction of just doing a Google search or using one of our charities. I'm guessing that you'll... You might find them like um, a local swimming pool that does a certain type of class and, and there's going to be a cost involved in things like that, isn't there? Yeah, we want to give people choice and we want to help with their well-being goals um, and what they want. So our way of working is very much uh, lots of sort of open questioning, finding out what's going on for them at the moment and then looking to see sometimes they don't, it, it can take a little bit of, time to really unpick things that are challenged or things they want out of life and then that conversation can lead to you know a bit of a, a goal a well-being yeah, yeah. goal and and if that well-being action that they decide on costs some money that can be uh you know important part of our work is helping them to get the information i mean that's one thing i haven't mentioned you know often what we're doing is providing people with the information they need to make an informed choice about their well-being and health right and so it could well be that all we're doing is showing them how to do, you know, a search for something or we do the research. What we hold back from is making sure that we're not kind of recommending a particular you yeah. know, swimming pool. Yeah. Um, so so if there is, you know, someone who really wants to find a nice small private pool where it's a little bit quieter, where perhaps they've got you know, some therapy or some movement that they want to do in a little bit of a um, more sheltered environment than a, a noisy sort of pool that does swimming lessons and has people plowing up and down. You know, it might be that we do some research and we just make sure we include more than one. So they've got choice. Yes, that's absolutely. Really, yeah, how we see it. If, if something costs, then that's fine. We can, yeah. we can link them to it. It must be very rewarding to work with people and be able to offer them things that can make a real difference to their lives that must be a really rewarding part of your job oh it is honestly i it is the best job ever <laughs> <laughs> oh it's lovely that you think you know that oh you that. yeah i absolutely love it i used to be a primary teacher and, and in a way there was an element of similarity there and just hoping to find something that will give someone you know uh, raise self-esteem or mm. something they love about life and and you know learning is one of the five ways to well-being so I think this the opportunity now to just help people link up to things that are going to make a difference for them yeah either either by you know sometimes it's about the challenge you know something that's difficult and finding them some help support information or an alongsider you know like a peer support Mm. Um, or sometimes it's about the fact that we include these eight areas in our well-being um, assessment. It's sometimes about saying, well, look, you know, you're a whole person. Mm. You've got this challenge, and sometimes those are removable, you know, whether it's health or housing, finance. Some of those things, you know, they've, they've, they've done yeah. what they can. They, they've worked so hard to get things where they want them to be, and they've, there might be areas that are still something to be managed something to be coped with mm. and it, it might be about looking at a different area of their well-being and saying well let's build confidence in this let's let's see what you want that maybe you thought you couldn't look at you couldn't mm. try to so sort of and, embellishing the quality of of what they've already got isn't it 
Absolutely. Yeah. Recognizing strength. And that's how we see that kind of, it's called the wellbeing star, one of the outcome stars that we use. And, and it just does offer that opportunity to reflect um, people's strengths, um, how they've learned and coped, managed and moved forward with things in the past, or, you know, to encourage them to sort of take steps forward again, mm. perhaps where they've they've had a struggle so yeah it just it's so you can so see good. you can see the impacts that it's having on people as well that must be very satisfying is there any kind of examples you can give us with obviously without naming names is there any kind of like examples you can say where something really helps someone yeah I mean just um thinking about a patient who you know was feeling really anxious because of some some different things that were going on in their lives and had you know, experienced some difficulty early in life and just was wanting to make some better connections locally, but also to be a little bit more active. And, you know, we spent quite a bit of time thinking about what that might look like and what things would motivate her to get out and ended up being um, one of the good gym activities, you know, one of the things where uh, local groups of people go out and do something for a community or a person mm, well, they do the it. kind of giving back thing yeah they go yeah. out for a run or a walk and then they do something that helps whether it's a litter pick or um helping um a person with some needs to to do a job you know yeah. tidy the garden or or what have you um and yeah that you know we, we don't always see the outcomes where we work quite briefly with people sometimes they've booked and planned and decided on some activities and we don't always see them afterwards so in this case it was really good to have a face-to-face -face appointment with someone mm. who had been along to something that made a difference um, and was able to say yeah I'm going to be doing this again mm, that's brilliant and is it evaluated is the do you evaluate it sort of case by yeah. case or within the practice how how does that work just to continue to monitor how effective yeah. it's being and what tweaks it might need as a service yeah so the, the well-being star we use for so many purposes it's really useful for people to think about their own well-being and maybe to think of a way uh, of doing it for themselves you know just to take a little a little check now and then on their well-being and think well how are things but it's also really useful for us to think about our outcomes and whether we've made a difference mm. and obviously like anything you know on a given day things can be up and down yeah uh, but it is good to see that we have some really good kind of results there that, that people's outcomes are really positive and and that we have made a difference do you generally see people more than once do you yeah. so you, do they come back to you for more yeah 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 so um here we we have that flexibility that people can come back for repeated kind of episodes of work so each individual time we offer the triage plus three that's the maximum four appointments um i say that's the maximum of course we're a people focused yeah um service so you know we would flex on that if we need to but that's the model yeah um but the idea is then we can really help people focus in on what they want most what matters most to them mm. could be that actually especially when people can feel quite overwhelmed if you come up with a massive long list of possible well-being actions that can be really overwhelming yeah. so we often talk about just pacing ourselves and just thinking about what's going to work best actually maybe this time we'll have a few appointments just to focus on that one mm. goal to increase your mobility for example 
And, you know, yeah, there's other things you've mentioned, but should we just look at that another time? You know, come back to me in a couple of months when you're ready. And we talk a lot about when people are ready to make a change and that being quite key to whether social prescribing is going to benefit the most is, you know, when they are ready to make, yeah, that makes complete sense you talked about motivation and you have got to want to do something you've got to want to make a change and that could be also driven by where that person's confidence level is and obviously one of the things we do is we find information is such an important thing for people so it's not necessarily that they need to do something it's that they need to access the information which is what all our podcasts and our events and the whole program is about is about helping people by providing information so there's a there's a parallel there isn't there with them but you're doing it in a broader sense and we're doing it in a rheumatoid sense yeah yeah and and i've you know i've referred people before um and given them the information about your events um and and i think you know this is what yeah we're we're both on the same page i think aren't we Mm, about the fact that when people are kind of armed with information about their condition, yeah. when they've got opportunities to connect with others that might have been there to share, you know, mm. knowledge, encouragement, and and sometimes just to share, experience. yeah, the difficulty, yeah. experience, because Absolutely. to know you're not alone is so important. And obviously, as a social prescriber, in my appointments, it's not about me. So I might have some reasons that I understand a person mm. but actually it's so good to be able to link people up to things where they've got an opportunity to be real with someone else um you know so we often look for different organizations that have peer activities or yeah. like yours patient engagement that just gives them that opportunity to to know they're not alone to get information from people who really know what they're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Massive um, advocate of, of the peer support and having seen how that helps people and the relief on people's faces when they talk to someone who just totally gets what yeah. the issue is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it kind of works for any aspect, any, any doesn't it, of life? Yes. yes. Yeah, if you've been through something and you you have a conversation with someone else who has, I think, You're incredible. Just, yeah, a really powerful well-being support mechanism I think so you mentioned the the eight things that you evaluate when you're talking to someone what what kinds of things are those yeah so we we use this tool the well-being star and it just gives opportunity to open up a conversation about different aspects of life and to recognize strengths and challenges so we talk about your lifestyle um when we talk about lifestyle we often say we're thinking about the the choices you've made and you make um, for your health, so uh, and and how things are regarding sleep, what you're eating, any substances such as alcohol, drugs, and smoking, mm-hmm. and um, your mobility, your exercise. You know how much you're doing, how much you're moving. So, yeah. so that's your lifestyle. Uh, we talk about looking after yourself, and there we're thinking about daily living skills. So, is a person able to to keep themselves clean, get dressed, keep their place tidy, cook, shop, use public transport or drive, a computer. It's what skills are of life that help mm-hmm. you to look after yourself. Then we have one, uh, a section about managing symptoms. And that's because our service has been developed to help people who do have um, some long-term health conditions 
Yeah. So even though it's not appropriate for everyone because everyone can access our service, it is relevant for many to just ask, well, how are you with keeping appointments, following medical advice, uh, you know, taking any medication? It's just that question about how things are for them in that regard. Then we've got one called work, volunteering and other activities. And what I usually say about that one is um, it's not all about work. It's about how you're spending your time. Are you finding meaning in each day? Are you enjoying how you spend your time? And what can we look at for you um, that is going to make each day better? So, yeah, what can you do to keep yourself busy and occupied in a meaningful way? Yeah. Money is next. Uh, number five. So money is quite straightforward in one sense, but of course not in lots of others. And that's thinking about your finances, whether you're getting what you should, whether you want to maximize your income, whether you want to help help to manage it better, whether you've got some issues with debt, etc. Where you live. And there we think about not only the kind of fabric of the place, um, you know, whether it's up together, whether there's any needs for repair, but also whether it's well connected to where you want to be. You know, mm. is it transport links from there? Uh, are there any issues with neighbours? Is it a good place to be? Yeah. Um, family and friends is where we think about relationships. So we just open up conversation there about whether a person's got the closeness they want in life, the connection with others um, that they they want out of life. Yeah. Uh, and finally, we have a section called feeling positive, where we think about emotional and mental health. How are people able to manage their own uh, mental health and keep as well as they can? Mm. It's a really good sort of overview of everything, a holistic overview of your life, isn't it? That I don't think probably people sit down and concentrate or focus on very often. And all, all of those areas can shore up or deplete another area, can't they? So I can see that that would be of real value to sort of properly go through each of those sections. Absolutely. And, and a lot of what we do is very practical. You know, so a person may have gone for sleeping tablets to the doctor because they've, they've got building debts and, and they don't know what help is out there, what organisations are there to either increase their income with some employment support or get them what they're entitled to, um, you know, or, or manage and have a plan for coping with large debt. Mm. so you know that's just one example there's a lot of practical ways that we help people mm. and yes it's absolutely about that interplay you know we, we are a whole person and we can make huge differences when we think about our well-being in that way um so yeah yeah it's great. great opportunity really comprehensive i think by the sounds of it it's been really insightful actually thank you so much yeah so if someone's listening to this and they think oh, I'd really like to get in touch with a link worker. How would they do that? Where's the information? And Yeah, so I've done kind of a bit of research at various times for people around the country that I might know through my family, um, you know, stories I've heard, someone at uni who's who's got uh, a friend who who's having end-of-life thoughts or something, and I thought, right, they need, you know, yeah, social prescribings for everyone. Yeah. Um, here we're, we're working with adults, but there's even, you know, lots of services coming up now for, for younger people. But any adult who wants to increase their well-being can benefit from social prescribing. And what I've tended to do if you're around the country and wanting to find out is, is to literally kind of Google it, social yeah. prescribing, 
twinned in social prescribing Edinburgh yeah and just or, or using the county name and see what you can find out and, and it's incredible how that is often a useful tool but the other way is to contact the surgery. And I was going to say, is it yeah, yeah. GP surgery? Yeah, it? because of this recent funding, not every surgery will have yeah. taken that up. So just to be clear that there isn't necessarily a social prescriber at every surgery. It's not a statutory like the psychological therapy services that are statutory over the country. It's not yet there with social prescribing, but it is huge. Yes. And most, you know, many, many surgeries. I'm sorry, I haven't got the numbers, but <laughs> contact your surgery and they should know. And if not, there are a lot of wonderful voluntary sector organisations. So it is often that that information might be a little bit harder to get. So try your surgery. Yeah. Google your county, contact your council. You know, there's, yes. there's so many different ways it, it can be accessed. Um, but exactly, I hope one of those yeah. ways works for you if you're listening and um, want to get in touch with a social prescriber. Thank you, Rachel. That was really, really interesting. Oh, that's quite right. I'm passionate about what I do and I just love people to um, find ways forward in their well-being. So it's good to be able to talk about it. Many thanks to Rachel for being our guest today and sharing information about social prescribing and how people can access it. We would also like to thank Health Watch Bath and North East Somerset for helping to fund this podcast. And if you're interested in hearing about more podcasts or any of the research opportunities that come up, please sign up to our mailing list. Just send an email to admin at birdbath.org.uk This podcast is supported by UCB who have had no editorial control on the contents. Thank you UCB. Time for a quick cuppa and a stretch. While you've got the kettle on, I'd like to just mention our new text and donate service that will help us to fund these podcasts. All you'd need to do is text BIRD to 70460 to donate £5. This costs £5 plus a standard rate message. Thanks for your support.